0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Interesting market trade. As we look at day number two of this of this new year, we definitely saw the drop happen once again in this grain complex. We'll talk about the struggle that's been happening there. What was the change? We had some great momentum as we wrapped up last year. To go into this new year, we seem to have hit a roadblock. On the opposite side, there is some serious excitement and some celebrations going on in the feeder cattle complex. We're going to take a look at all of that and a whole lot more today with my Mike Zuzalo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics, and we do have to start. What happened in these grains that we seem to have lost the momentum that we had at the end of last year?
1: Yeah, that, that's a really good question, Susan, because it does seem like something big has changed from the end of the year and the bulls, especially the commodity index bulls and the funds coming in, whether you're looking at crude oil or copper or uh... coffee you know all of these markets are being hit with multi-week if not two to three month lows now at this stage just in the span of about a week and i think this is where to me there's probably only one thing that could explain something that big in terms of a psychological shift in trade sentiment in in this type of reversal in price action and, and cutting up the weekly charts as much as they have uh, especially in the wheat and in the corn and i think it really goes back to china i think the end of the year china bulls that jumped in the market because of the reversal of the china's covid policy um now they are dumping i think those positions due to the extent now being seen how hard that omicron variant is hitting china and quite honestly today in the trade and the news what we saw Was the back and forth between China's official numbers of, you know, single number of people dying of COVID versus the World Health Organization coming out and saying it's much, much worse than that. And, you know, international, excuse me, health uh, experts are expecting that possibly a million plus people could die in China um, in the next few months. And so I think what has happened here is the market is starting to build in a lot lower global demand. And they're really back to, it reminds me a lot of how it was back in mid-October of last year, where we had the harvest past us, supply issues, weather issues, um, but the trade wasn't able to do anything with it. In fact, the corn and wheat worked lower into late November with the soybeans kicking and screaming, um, not wanting to go down. And I, I, it kind of feels like the almost the exact same type of feeling right now that that we're feeling in this market here as we get into the middle part of January. And I think it really does boil down to the worries about global demand offsetting the weather and the supply problems, which are still very much present out there.
0: Mike, that could put a really interesting spin, though, on this whole soybean uh, complex with South America and talk of a a bumper crop. If the demand isn't there from China, that's going to make an interesting spin for us here in the U.S.,
1: it is. And, and Brazil just released fresh numbers today, Susan, And their 2022 soybean exports were down substantially versus where they were in 2021. And I think this is where if you take a risk off market like we see right now, if it doesn't shift, maybe it's because the Federal Reserve releases their minutes here as you and I are talking. And the, the trade sees something that makes them feel more inflationary, makes them feel like the Fed is going to back away from raising rates so aggressively early in 2023 and kind of offset what's going on in China. Unless you see something like that, you really have to wonder whether the soybeans and the meal in particular – have the horsepower to go it alone. And and with a little bit more rain being seen in the last couple of weeks in some of these driest areas of Argentina and southern Brazil, along with the fact that we're starting to harvest some Brazilian beans, and with the fact that the Brazilians have themselves said they have shipped out less than a year ago, I, I really am starting to become more nervous that if the meal market doesn't hold together, the technicals on the monthly meal chart specifically, and that July Nove bean spread doesn't hold together and keep that dollar-plus premium against new crop November, then I think we're going to be probably in a similar scenario as what we faced last year, where wheat and corn end up just pulling the plug on the bean rally. And I think we got to really be prepared for that maybe as soon as by the end of this week.
0: Do you see any excitement starting to build as we look at that January twelfth report? Um, just a little over a week away.
1: Yeah, this is where the momentum side kind of worries me. We haven't done any technical damage to the monthly charts, in my opinion, for corn, beans, or wheat. But the weekly chart, as I said, we've lost some key moving average supports that we really needed to keep intact. <clears throat> excuse me, going into that January 12th crop report, I think what I'm worried about is that if we lose the technicals, the momentum increases, all of a sudden we start to see the volume increase on the sell side, um, the market will then jump to, well, let's go ahead and price in a negative January 12th report, and we'll kind of move from one fundamental feature, i.e. China, over to the next fundamental feature of that January 12th report. I, the reason I say that, Susan, is because I recommended being long in the corn after two straight weeks higher in wheat and corn, uh, soft red wheat and corn, and the technicals looked very good, the fundamentals and the weather looked very good, and it looked as though we had a demand low in place, and so it's very difficult to watch all that get kind of blown to pieces, and all those fundamental and technical factors no longer matter to the trade, and then on top of that, see the Kansas wheat crop drop again in good to excellent conditions to less than 20%, and almost 50% in very poor, poor condition, and the trade does not care anything about that. So it smells like it's a bigger issue to me than than some of these key fundamental factors.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next question. As you look at this whole wheat issue, I know, I mean, we're the dead of winter, so we're not going to see any wheat growth, but it definitely is adding an interesting element uh, to this trade.
1: It does. And and the best way I can describe this trade right now is, again, like it was back in in the later part of the fall of last year, where it's in maybe the greatest extent of 2022, unless we had something uh, on the demand side that was really shocking the market to the upside. Um, But it's a very shallow trade. It doesn't like to put in risk premium. It's very shallow minded.
0: We do have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half. The final bell will continue in just a moment. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fondale Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Suslow, Mike with Global Commodity Analytics. We left off talking about this wheat complex, and I, I obviously we had to go to break, but I'm wondering, Mike, at what point do you think the market's going to start to say, pay attention to the issues that you guys had in fall planting, uh, winter kill possibilities? I mean, is it going to be mid-spring?
1: I, I think it will be uh um before the springtime i think it will be before the corn and bean acreage battle uh, resumes like it typically does right around the march 30th crop report susan i'm wondering whether it's not going to be around the usda baseline projections and their annual meeting in february but i think one thing's clear to me and it's really important whether you're talking about cattle or wheat or corn or or anything out there in the commodity sectors 2023 and the way we're starting it and the way we ended 2022 really makes it pretty clear to me that you've got to be very nimble if you believe in a position but it doesn't work out you've got to cut your losses short and, and that gives you a chance to come back and go after it another day um, because these markets do it to, to the downside and to the upside they overdo it more frequently and it's because who's pushing and who's pulling and I think that's something the producer needs to keep in mind and we really need to watch what is carrying the premium whether it's the cash market or the futures and what's carrying the discount and and meal is getting ready to go off the board. in The January contract, it's at 482 in the January versus the March meal at about 462. So the cash market and the January price is saying meal is in short supply. So what does the market do with that in the next couple, three days? And that those are really some key issues I think in 2023.
0: As you look at, at export numbers, just all the way across the board for our grains, what's it gonna take to revitalize this market heading into the rest of January?
1: Well, it's becoming less and less important that we have uh, uh, the currency support us because the the dollar has been dropping and some of the key currencies like the Mexican peso and the Chinese yuan have been starting to uh, appreciate in value. The Brazilian currency is still a a little bit too weak as we start the new year, but I think it really boils down to major exporters, major competitors with the United States. They have weather problems, and I say that's especially important because I think the trade and the policy – that we have with many of our Asian customers and even our Latin American customers, um, those policies are not as smooth running as they used to be because we don't have that globalized trade and that those smooth wheels and 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 all the pistons running with when it comes to globalization and the World Trade Organization and things like that. We have a very fragmented. A commodity market and, and trade market and especially with the pandemic and the supply chains we're, were much much more protectionist as a world and so that makes it harder on U.S. commodities to get shipped out the door unless you have less competition and that's probably where the wheat has the brightest spot of all if you take China out of the mix our world wheat ending stocks are at a 15-year low.
0: Let's switch gears and uh, still talk a little bit about grains, but from a feeder perspective, another day of lower corn market, did they take it, definitely take advantage of that?
1: Yes, I think that definitely helped the mindset of the trade sentiment. But the trade sentiment, even before the corn started to go down, I've talked to cattlemen from southern Illinois to northern Nebraska today and yesterday. And it was already starting to build that the champagne bottles were getting ready to be uncorked at, a major, uh, sale barns and, and cattle buyers are really getting excited for what feeders in particular could do this month because everybody out there pretty much smells this hole in supply coming, um, after early January. And I think there are some cattle, there's some feeders that are going to be going here in the next 10, 15 days. But after that, it's going to get tighter and tighter in supply. And the market knows that. I think the funds understand that and they're, they're covering their net short position. They've been very net short funds uh, feeders in the funds and they realize they're out of position for a change, and they've been covering those shorts. And so you throw the corn on top of that, it's like another log on top of the fire. And I think between the feeders and the hogs, if you can keep those two markets supported, let the bull run in the fat cattle, and maybe we get the, the uh, April fat cattle up to that 164, 165 level.
0: Especially as, the, as there's been talk of some nervousness. Last year we saw the highest cow slaughter numbers on record. That's got to put a whole another level of pressure within these markets?
1: Yeah, I really think it does. I think that is where the, the, the pork numbers are going to be the most supportive because we're going to end the year down about 2.5% of U.S. pork production, it looks like, for 2022, whereas the beef production is going to be up about a percent on the commercial side. But you're right, we're going to have lower uh, supplies of both domestically, and that's where it goes back to, okay, what does that mean for the global economy? What if the U.S., China, and the Europeans all go into recession here in 2023 because China and monetary policy drive us into that. And that's going to, I think, hurt us in our consumption side uh, for the red meats. And so we really need the supportive features of the feeders. In other words, I would not want to see feeders go below 180 in a lead month basis because that hurts the charts in three.
0: Lots of great things that we looked at today. Mike, best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: Well, the best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom of two Ms, research.com, and sign up for a trial or give me a call, toll-free, 866 471-2588 471-2588 if you need to have a specific question or if you have the need for somebody to come and talk to your group be happy to entertain that
0: wonderful mike zuzalo has been joining us as we remind you commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors that is the fontanel final bell brought to you by fontanel hybrids and all your local dealers on the rural radio network